Hi everyone, my name is Callie. And I'm Grant. Welcome back to our podcast, Big World. Small Bites. This week we're talking about the impact of community gardens. The roles they play, the communities they build, the good they can bring. We're interviewing leaders from our campus garden and the East Snyder Community Garden to learn more about what these gardens can do for their communities. And then we'll tell you what you can do as a college student or someone without a lot of gardening savvy to gain a green thumb. We hope you're hungry because we're going to be breaking down this big world into some small bites. All right, everybody. So thank you so much for joining us for another episode. Today we're going to be talking about, as the intro stated, community gardening and the impact that can have on communities, on people, on the environment. But before we get started, Callie, I wanted to ask you, uh, what do you know about community gardens? What are your thoughts on it? Um, I don't know much personally because I have no gardening sense. I can only keep succulents alive. <laughs> but I do know that whenever I drive past a community garden, I get really excited um, it's just really cool to see people in the community coming together in that kind of way. And I think it's just a really good sign when a community yeah. has a garden. No, definitely. I'm also pretty terrible at keeping plants alive. But mm-hmm. I respect those that can put in the work to keep them alive. Uh, well, what if I told you community gardens can not only help people's mental health, but they can also improve the planet and community atmospheres as well? That's crazy. Kind of interesting. Yeah, uh, it's crazy the, the big impact a little difference can have, a little action can have. But... To start, I'd like to take us to this this little study, this little article really done by Columbia University, specifically the Columbia Climate School, and it looks at gardening in New York City. So granted, this is looking at a city and not a more urban kind of rural area like we're in, but I think, I think the points are still valid. And so it talks about, first of all, the social benefits that a garden can have. So you can meet people, that community atmosphere. I think we see that a little bit in more recent years at the garden here on campus as well, getting students to volunteer, um, to come into the garden, to learn about what's going on. But it can also benefit people economically. Uh, They can earn extra income from selling the produce they have, or they can save money from eating the produce they grow in their own gardens. Or, and I think we'll touch on this probably later in the podcast, they can donate those vegetables, uh, which is also really, really interesting. But this is the kind of stuff that really got to me. So in this article, again, it looks at New York City. uh, They talk about how community gardens can actually reduce the urban heat island effect by providing shading in the cities. Uh, They can also help manage stormwater runoff. Uh, because they can store that water as it passes through, and they can help capture carbon from the atmosphere, which are all really, really interesting points. Um, it's kind of crazy. I mean, like, when you ever have a plant in your room, do you ever feel like it makes you feel better? I feel like it does. I have a snake plant in my room, which is supposed to help the air quality improve. Yeah. I don't know. I just like seeing it grow, too. I've had my plant for almost two years, and it has, like, so many offshoots now, and it's just huge. Yeah. Um, and I think it's cool to see something alive and growing in your space at the same time. No, absolutely. I think it definitely makes makes an impact, um, and I think that's a really interesting point. There's another study I'd like to point out really quickly. It's published in the Environmental Evidence Journal, and essentially the, the title of it is, What are the health and well-being impacts of community gardening for adults and children, a mixed-method systemic systematic review protocol? And essentially looking at like a summary or a publishing of their findings, they found that community gardens can improve physical activity, uh, they can improve and reduce stress, But just participating in the gardening activities can improve well-being through increased social contact, like we talked about, uh, culturally valued activities, and mitigation of food poverty. So in addition to kind of making you happier seeing those plants, it can also reduce food poverty. And then kind of on that note, the last point I wanted to get at, speaking of food poverty and donations, have you ever heard the term food miles before? And if so, what do you think that it means? 
I think it means the amount of miles your food has to travel before it actually gets to you. So thinking about emissions from the different modes of transportation that your food uses. Yeah, no, I, that, that's absolutely it. Uh, and speaking of that, then, there's this really interesting uh, organization, uh, the parent organization, I guess you could call it, is called NCAT. A lot, a lot of acronyms for this. And <laughs> NCAT stands for uh, the National Center for Appropriate Technology. But within that organization, there's another one called ATRA, which is the National Sustainable Agriculture Information Service. So it's created in 1987 through the cooperative agreement with the U.S. Department of Agriculture Rural Development Program. Try saying that a couple times fast. Okay. But yeah, the term food miles, they define it in this big study that they conduct. Uh, and they say that it refers, or a study that they put on at least, um, and they say that it refers to the distance food travels from the location where it is grown to the location where it is consumed. And this is the really interesting part. Just like give a guess, you think, of how far food travels in the United States. Oh gosh, like really far, like at least a thousand miles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. So the, the studies that they looked at, it estimated that processed food travels over 1,300 miles. But this is even worse. Fresh produce traveled over 1,500 miles before being consumed, which is kind of crazy to think about. Yeah. And then they referenced this essay called Food Democracy, and this is kind of insane. But, but the author states that half of the food items in a typical supermarket are produced by no more than 10 multinational food and beverage companies, which I thought was kind of crazy. Um, and so looking at this, then they look at the impact that community gardens can have. And so they find that, first of all, the, the farther the food travels, the more fossil fuels are required, right? So by having a community garden, you can lower emissions by just having your own, your own food, your own uh, place to access that food. It doesn't have to travel as far. Uh, but in, in terms of the impact community gardens can have, they found that according to one study they looked at, food transportation accounts for 14% of energy use within the food system. Wow. So this already massive system that they're looking at, 14% of it is just that transportation. And so on kind of a happy end note then, uh, they look at this this other organization, the Leopold Center for Sustainable Agriculture, and they find that when they conducted several studies that compare the distance traveled by conventional versus local foods, uh, they looked at food miles. They found that in all cases that they analyzed, the locally grown food traveled a significantly shorter distance than mm -hmm. conventionally sourced food. So these community gardens, not only do you get fresh vegetables, free fresh vegetables in terms of where you're getting it, you, you reduce that those emissions and the food miles. So I think it's a really interesting point. Yeah, and it's crazy to think, too, if you live walking distance from, like, a farmer's market, that even lessens in terms of emissions how far the food has to travel. Absolutely. And oftentimes I feel like farmer's markets, a lot of it's organic as well, mm -hmm. which is another big talking point a lot of people like to see. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, I think let's get into those interviews with our guests. We're so excited to speak to them today. Absolutely. Well, welcome, Bethany Hannock and Kelly Rebuck to the podcast. Tell us a little bit about what you do or what you've done at the garden and give us a quick rundown here in Susquehanna. Hi, thank you so much for having us. So Kaylee and I are both garden coordinators, or Kaylee was, she graduated last year. Um, we do a lot on campus, and shortly after the uh, COVID summer, we became more involved with the Office of Sustainability. So that's been a really fun part of what we do. Um, shortly before Kaylee became coordinator as well, uh, Susquehanna also added sheep to the solar panels, and we became responsible for taking care of them in partnership with uh, Owens Farm and Sunbury. So I feel like we've taken on a lot of different roles as garden coordinators. Do you want to give a, not to like interject, but do you want to give a little rundown of the sheep for people who might not know about why you guys take care of sheep? Of course. So Susquehanna has a 
14-acre solar array on the west end of campus that powers roughly 30% of campus. There are 40 sheep who are locally contracted from Owens Farm in Sunbury. Um, you really get attached to them. Sometimes I find myself out there just having conversations with them. I know Kaylee can probably relate to that. Yeah, they're definitely my therapy animals. I like it. Well, why don't you guys give us a little bit of a rundown over the summer, and then we'll get into how it looks like when the semester starts of the day-to-day of the garden and what it does at Susquehanna. Yeah, so like over the summer, it's a 40-hour, like a, it's a full-time job um, working there. Uh, the day can start with like watering. You either want to water in the morning or in the afternoon when the sun is off of it. There's 40 raised there's about 50 raised beds um, and about like 50 to 60 bags and then the plot. Um, you can weed in a day. You can harvest in a day. When you harvest, you want to donate like same day. So that way it's like the freshest it can be for our community partners. I don't know if you want to talk about our community partners since you have more recent interaction with them. Yeah. So yeah. interacting with the community is one of my favorite things about being a coordinator. Um, so we do a lot of events through the school, working with different departments like the JCCE um, or the OLE. <laughs> For those of you listening at home who aren't Susquehanna students, the JCCE stands for the Johnson Center for Civic Engagement. They're our service office on campus, and the OLE is the Office of Leadership and Engagement, and they focus on getting students involved on student organizations as well as other things on campus. So we get all sorts of volunteer groups out there, and really the students are what makes the campus garden. But I also really like donating. I don't think I realized how much people in the community like valued us and what we do or just like knew our faces as well until I was donating at a church last week and I was a little late because my classes were in late and I walked in and they were all like oh we wondered if you were going to be here this week so getting to meet different people from the Rack or Haven um, Ministries in Sunbury has just been really amazing we do a lot of community outreach do you have like any numbers you want to give for just the amount of pounds you guys donate each summer uh so in the summer of 2020 I believe we donated close to 1100 pounds and then the summer of 2021, we donated just under that, about 850 pounds that summer. Do you have a running count? So we're tallying up the things from the summer. Um, this summer was really difficult. We had a really horrible drought. Actually, I was talking to Caroline, the woman who owns the sheep, and she mentioned that they were supplementing with hay for the first time in 10 years, which made me feel a little better. Um, but we're looking at still about 400 pounds this year of all sorts of like different produce, um, fruits, vegetables, uh, melons, things like that. So less, but definitely still a sizable quantity for what we're working with and it just being the two of us. I want to ask you guys about if there's anything that you wish the garden could do for the students that it isn't doing or something that the students could do for the garden that they aren't doing. That's a tough question because there's a lot of red tape as um, we've discussed in some meetings previously. One thing that I know we've talked a lot about is compost and finding a way to get students composting. We have one out there right now. Um, but there's some like logistical issues with it. It's not like good for food or like mass quantities. But between like our food supplier and what students are actually like willing to do and finding people to do things, it'd be nice to find like a way for everyone to be able to compost. Uh, I don't know specifically what like students could do besides like coming out and volunteering, which we do get a lot of people. But I think for the most part, there's a good balance. Thank you both so much for being here. And uh, we appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much to Bethany and Kaylee for your perspectives. Now let's talk to our friends from the community garden. I'm Roy Swayze. I'm garden manager at the East Snyder Community Garden. I, I started gardening up there 12 years ago. Um, the idea in the community garden was that uh, 
people who wanted to garden and raise some of their food. They could have a spot to do it because a lot of people's yards don't work very well for gardens. I'm Jackie Lambert, and I'm the president of the board at the East Snyder Community Garden. Uh, I've been gardening for a long time. I hated it when I was a kid, <laughs> and then I went through a spell where it was just okay, and now I really like it. I've been with the community garden since 2016, I think, maybe 15, 2015, 2016. Perfect. Yeah, well, well, thank you both for your introductions. Uh, do you want to give a little bit of a background on how many people use the garden or how does somebody like get in touch to use the garden, how that process works? Well, I this question comes up. I have don't have an accurate count of how many people we have. We have probably we a good... Have pretty close to, to 90. It depends on how you count. I was thinking 100. depends on yeah. how you count children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And then the way a person becomes a member of the community garden, we have an application for 2013, which I think is up on the Penn Township website. It is. Okay. And to rent a 30 by 30 plot is $25, right? Yes. And then a half plot is 15 At the garden, is it mainly like produce people are growing then, like vegetables, um, like things like that that they take with them, or...? Well, a lot of people do grow vegetables, but I'm the flower person. I think Arden and I and Kathy Boucher are the flower people up there. Yeah. Uh, but lots of people do have some flowers. Uh, I would say it is mainly vegetables, though. Uh, this may be kind of like a difficult question to answer, but looking at, at the garden overall, what do you think the impact to the community has been? We're trying to use this episode, and, and alongside in this episode, we interviewed members from our own campus garden and the impact they have in donating food into town, kind of spreading awareness about gardening to students. How do you think the community garden has, has played a role in the community? We do have a number of gardeners that are very good about donating produce. We have, I don't know, over over a thousand pounds donated so far this year. Wow. And last year it was also close to 1,600. We might have hit 2,000 last year. We, we went over 2,000. Over 2,000 last year. We donate to... Uh, local food pantries, and there's also a food drop-off area, drop-off and pick-up at uh, Kids Grove by Carl Anthony Sealand Park on uh, Sassafras. There's also a good sense of community. People up there are really friendly. They all talk. You know, we answer questions for each other. We really do try to support the new gardeners. And there's uh, almost always somebody up there. I was going to ask you guys, too, if you had any advice for new gardeners or maybe college kids who are interested in starting to garden. Start with a half plot. <laughs> <laughs> There's a good bit of work that's required to be successful. Good if you were going to start a garden to have several partners to work on, on, on it. Um, and we would also always welcome the university students if they wanted to come up and volunteer. They can always go to our website and send us an email. It's escgpa at gmail.com. Perfect. And if they've got a few hours or something somewhere, they can send us an email. And we'll, I'm sure we can find work for them. You can find our website. You go to escgpa.org.
do you think that community aspect just in a local community or different community gardens helping each other really drives people to come and, and help out or come in and get a plot of land? Or what role do you think benefit uh, or not having that community feel really brings to a garden as opposed to just having like your own plot of land or little garden at, at your own place? I started gardening up there because I wanted to, but the community feel keeps me coming back. Mm-hmm. And that would be what I would say. It, it is helping us to come back. We have had some continuing contact with uh, people who have volunteered. Sometimes somebody who has volunteered comes back because they, they like, you know, hanging out and volunteering. No, that that's great. As, as kind of like, I guess, a, a segue to wrapping up here, do either of you uh, have like any final thoughts or comments to people that want to get involved in gardening or just kind of overall thoughts on the role of gardening, whether in like climate change, environmentalism efforts, or just in kind of uh, lear- learning more about nature or just the role that it's played in your own lives. I know you mentioned you kind of had a progression to get back into gardening. Uh, any thoughts along along those lines? Well, I would say they should come to the community garden because we've got a good group of people up there. We have garden spaces. They should definitely bring a friend to help with the first year um, and be prepared to. It's not a weekend project to take a plot that is weedy and then get it ready for gardening. It takes, well, depending on how well you do it, but I've been working on that one plot for about 20 hours now. Wow. And I'm about halfway done. Wow. Maybe that community aspect can really keep everybody motivated. Then. Yeah, it is nice to have to be up there. It's it's nice instead of just being at home and working in the garden and I would be the only one there. But to go up there and there's almost always somebody else around. And when I get tired of working, I can go talk. <laughs> and I would say, too, when people come up to garden, uh, my own experience, too, the first year was almost a disaster. <laughs> but um, just to keep at it, you know, if the first time it's just too weedy and, oh, my gosh, I can't do this, just come back and try again. So given all that great information about gardening, I think it, you can still feel a little bit lost as to what you can do yeah, to yeah. garden. Uh, I don't know, Grant, are you good at gardening? Have you ever tried? I've tried. I've, I've even helped out at the community garden at SU here, or here at SU, but I do not have a green thumb. I wish I was better. It's hard. It's really hard work, and I think they touched on that a lot yeah, no, in their discussions. And I think that our goal here is always to try to make you feel like you can do something. So here are just some small things that you could do to try to garden as a college student or just as someone who maybe doesn't have a yard or just does not have a green thumb at all. So one thing you can do is visit your campus garden if you have one. And just to plug our campus garden, as we always should, our campus garden puts updates on their Instagram at Susquehanna Garden uh, about all volunteering hours. So they have a lot of time where students can come. And the best part is you don't have to know what to do. They'll tell you what to do. Um, so I think that's probably a good way to learn. And the same thing goes for a community garden. If you live somewhere with a community garden, go there and see what you can do. And I think that's probably a great way to learn how to garden just from people who know what they're doing and love what they're doing. I think that was really evident in those conversations. Yeah, have somebody show you the ropes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, have you ever tried growing herbs on your windowsill, Grant? I haven't, and I feel like that's kind of an environmental sin. I feel like all <laughs> people have the plants on their windowsills. Yeah. I really should. I've tried, but I've failed, but it was like a hydroponic one, so it like got Ooh, moldy. Fancy. But if you can make it work, you can add fresh ingredients to your meals. Uh, So this information comes from the spruce. They talk about easy steps to having an herb garden on your windowsill. So you pick a sunny one, 
And then you pick some herbs that'll fit in small containers. So this might have been where I went wrong. You could pick chives, basil, lavender, parsley, mint, rosemary, and thyme. You could buy seeds, which would take a while to start. Or you can just buy plants that have already been started, which I think might be easier for some of us who are not great at nurturing plants might to grow. Out a little bit. Yeah. And then you just got to do the research to take care of them. And then you'll have fresh herbs to use in your cooking. And I think sometimes as college students with not a lot of money to be able to buy groceries, having those fresh ingredients can make a big difference. And the last thing is just about, I think, connecting to the earth and bringing it into your space. So we mentioned a bit earlier having plants in your room um, and how that can reduce stress, improve air quality, and just greens your space. Uh, you asked me how I felt about having plants. How do you feel having plants in a space of your own? Oh, I think it definitely brightens the room. You know, you walk in, you're like, yeah, every day I have this plant to water, to look at, whatever to take care of. It definitely kind of livens the area, the space a little bit. You mentioned like being in a college dorm room or a small apartment somewhere. I feel like oftentimes it's hard to make that space feel like your own. Yeah. If you had a plant or something like that. And I get pretty close to my plants. I have a yucca cane, I think it's called. Yucca mm. cane, yucca cane, named Gus. Uh, we I have name a good my time. plants as well. Yeah. I like it. What's what are the names? Oh, I have like a lot of them, but one of them's name is um, is Penelope. She's <laughs> a snake plant. So yeah, I'm always proud of them when they grow and get bigger. Like my my cactus Alberta grew a baby after Ooh. like five years of having her, so I was really proud of her. But I think this goes to show that having plants and having a garden can help you learn to take care of something besides yourself. Absolutely. To take care of something in the earth, building that community like we were kind of talking about last episode. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think if anybody's interested after hearing this episode, the work that, that the people we've had on, on this podcast today have done, like reach out to the people in your area, get a group together, try to start your own community garden, or just get a plant to put on your window. Mm. Get an Alberta, you know. Yeah. On that note, everybody, thank you again for tuning in to another podcast episode. We hope you'll join us next time as we keep on cooking. So stay tuned. We'll be serving up a new episode soon. Get ready for some more small bites of this big world. <laughs>